0: Oh, and welcome back to An Extraordinary Life with your host, Roberto. That, of course, being me. So it's been a whopping 24 hours since I was on this app last, and I couldn't help myself but to kick back here again and uh, take you around one of my favorite countries. Iceland is literally the hottest destination in the world right now. For one, it's got an active volcano. So you've got lava spewing, which is doesn't get much hotter than that. And for two, um, it's just one of the most incredibly dramatic landscapes that you've ever seen. And over the years, people have quickly come, are, are starting to realize this. You know, social media most definitely uh, demonstrated to people that, that there's such wonder on this island rock nation that made it worth visiting to. I've been going since 2012. That was the first trip I did. And uh, I've been there six times. Each time that I go, I spend about five to six weeks. The first five times I went with my lady. One of the times I went with our my lady and our little boy, Mikio Orion. Um, and this last time, just a few weeks ago, actually. I was there for six weeks. So so I know this country very, very well. And I really want to pitch to you on why you gotta go now. In 2019, you know, this country is tiny. They have 360,000 people only. 60% of those people live in one city, Reykjavik, and the rest of them are scattered all over the island. A country that used to be predominantly sheep farmers is now a mix of uh, sheep farmers, bankers and artists and writers. Indeed, one in 10 Icelanders becomes a writer. So one of those really neat facts. When you have so much time alone in the middle of nowhere, just with you, yourself and the sheep, then uh, your creativity juices most definitely flow. So there's many ways that you can experience this country. Um, you can do it as a stopover with Iceland Air. And this is a, a really neat way to do it, where if you're flying from North America to Europe or vice versa, that you you can stop for three or four days uh, in the country, um, do some touristic adv- activities, and then uh, continue on to your final destination at no added cost than if you had been flying straight over the island um, directly to wherever it is that you were originally planned on going. Um, for ourselves, I think the best, um, one of our favorite ways has been, if you're young and hardy and <laughs> ready for to take the Icelandic weather head on, which you pretty much always will end up doing at a certain point during your trip, then I'd highly recommend taking a camper, renting a camper van, and then traveling the country using that camper van. Now it's come a long way in how it used to be traveling around the country. Uh, what it, would it be? My first time versus now, so many of the places that we would stop and and gape at the waterfalls um, or or explore are, are now, well, um, paved and there's uh, parking attendants and things as such that they used to not be before. Um, but it most definitely doesn't take away uh, from how raw and stunning this country is. And and right now is probably the best time to go. And for a few reasons. For one, um, Icelanders like to say, we have no COVID here. So I went up to Ragnar, a friend of mine the other day, and I was hesitant on giving him a handshake because I thought, well you know in this this day and age you don't know if people are comfortable if you give them a handshake or not and uh and he's like grab my hand heartily and said there's no covid here <laughs> so they they've got a, a strict program of having your uh your antigen test before you go um and the PCR test well for Canadians before you come back um and the system the the rapid antigen tests for coming back are free. So that's pretty cool. Um, and you can also, they make it quite quite simple for for you to do your PCR and antigen test uh, before flying out. Being such a tiny island nation that a lot of the things that you're doing there are outdoors, seeing waterfalls, uh, seeing glacial lagoons and things as such, makes it so... Su- Again, that it's very unlikely that you would get COVID from somebody there, considering A, everyone was screened before going. B, they've got next, like, it's like 60 cases or something nominal like that. Um, whereas other places like Canada have 1,200. Um, so so the likelihood of getting COVID there is very, very, very low. Uh, thank you to my listeners today, Howard, Shreen and Wansu. Um, you know, I did get very excited about doing this uh, this this podcasting simply because uh, today you know we had several hundred people go and listen to yesterday's podcast and as we are on the ground floor of uh of this new app and calling um i'm stoked <laughs> so here i am again but I digress back to iceland you know i'm gonna whip off a few neat facts about iceland and then I'll tell you a few stories from our adventures and misadventures then. Then I'll open up the lines uh, for anybody that would like to ask uh, questions about what we should do on uh, what they could do in Iceland or how to travel or what to wear or I don't know, whatever you can think of that uh, that you'd like to know about this country. And, uh, and then we can get the ball uh, rolling there. Today, I actually have my earphones and the microphone all set up. So... Still a learning curve, so please do have patience with me. But uh, but really excited to to uh, to tell you all about this spectacular country and the times we almost died. No, <laughs> nope, yeah, yes, but no, nope, but no, nope, but yes. Um, so to begin with, uh, country three hundred sixty thousand people, sixty percent uh, are in Reykjavik. Uh, it's a hardy nation. You know, it's one of the last places that was. Uh, populated or in, in our world. Um, only 1,100 years ago, I think uh, Vikings stumbled upon it. Um, a Norwegian Vikings stumbled upon it and said, hey, you know, this, uh, <laughs> this rock looks pretty good. Let's, uh, let's set up a, a base. And <laughs> more than likely their ship was stranded and they couldn't get back. But anyways, I digress. Um, they've got uh, a really, really... Uh, neat and unique culture that that I think comes from being an island rock nation. Because when you're in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the North uh, Atlantic Ocean, and um, basically no contact to the rest of the world, then then your creative juices and and your um, ability to to see things in just a just I guess a very different way that requires isolation and desolation um, get get really moved and and for this reason you've got so many artists that come from this country um that are that are quite quite uh impressive um Bjork <laughs> being one uh and then and then lots of writers and and you know I've even uh jumped into a lot of their their stories uh just with with a fervor because they they're so unique and different and interesting but representative of of a place where you don't got much to do. (laughs) All right. So, so, um, a little bit more about the country, um, and then I'll, I'll jump into some of our harrowing stories. So yes, yes, they were harrowing. So the number one danger in Iceland is the weather. Um, Icelanders love to talk about the weather. You know, it's, it's, it's almost cliche. Um, But the fact is that um, from summer to winter, uh, you only have like a 10 degree uh, difference. Sometimes Um, you don't know if in July you'll have snowstorms or if in October you'll have sunny days. It's really a very fickle uh, wind system, so much so that uh, there's postcards everywhere that show a picture of an Icelandic. So imagine you're looking at two flagpoles, each of them. 50 meters away from each other and one flagpole the the flag is pointing in one direction and on the other one it's going in the opposite direction so the wind systems are so wild fickle um and and almost they take up this microsystem that uh that the weather you never know within you know they also have a saying that says you don't like the weather Waits five minutes because it changes so quickly and so drastically they 've got signs up on the side of the highways that are telling you uh, wind speeds per area as well as temperatures because they they 're dangerous and and the roads are are single lane uh, highway uh, with no shoulder um, and when you 've got one hundred and thirty five kilometer an hour winds whipping against your car it 's very easy. To go off the road, so so in those cases, as I know, you drive smack in the middle of the road because also it's not a country that has that many people. So often you can drive uh, smack in the middle of the road, um, but um, but there's a few things that tend to um, not wipe out tourists, but uh, somewhat so. Um, the first and the most dangerous one, most definitely, is the wind because the wind tends to push over. Uh, a lot of cars it literally lifts up up rocks sometimes and smashes windows of those cars and A lot of people are simply not accustomed to driving in uh, harrowing weather like the one that that Iceland frequently offers uphandedly um, then another thing uh, I think the second thing that most tends to wipe out a or kill <laughs> tourists is um, is the waves and the rip current because a lot of the beaches um, like Reina Sviata is, is this beautiful black sand beach with unique um, stones coming up from the beach and whatnot. But, but as you, you, you're taking pictures and you're turned around uh, sometimes there's a rogue wave that comes up and the riptide is so strong that it just takes the uh, person very quickly out to sea before anybody uh, could do anything because it, you, it kicks out the footing under you and, and just the current is, is, Ferocious, so um, so that's another thing that to be to be wary of there. But it is a landscape of drama. I think you've seen it in Game of Thrones and Vikings and all such shows. Um, I, I've you know I've many of these movies or uh, Walter Mitty, I think was another one. Um, I look at these landscapes. And I'm like, hey, I know that spot because <laughs> I've spent a lot, a lot of time uh, time there. So. I guess to give you a, a small story on the wind, uh, it's January, and uh, my wife Shireen and I are are driving uh, our rental car in about 95 kilometer an hour winds, and we're going to the West Fjords. And the wind just starts getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and we're literally there's a lot of places in Iceland that you can say I'm in the middle of nowhere. We're in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, and the winds are just whipping at the van and literally pushing, pushing it over by a few feet every time it does that. So, uh, so we're bare knuckled, you know, holding onto the steering wheel for dear life, trying that the roads are icy as hell. Um, icy as hell, does that work? <laughs> are extremely icy, black ice. And they're a little bit inclined and that's made so that they shed water down to the sides. But what that also does is if the wind hits you um, from the side, and you're on the incline on whatever side of the road, um, then it's much easier to push you on black ice. Um, and so we're grabbing with the edge of the tires what little gravel is just on the side of the road, um, and, and just terrified, to be honest. Um, and then, uh, We're going about 10 kilometers an hour, and it, excuse me, eventually we reach a point where, where it's just, it's too much, it's too scary. And, and excuse me, being an explorer, I'm I'm habituated to having the right gear to just say, okay, we got to stop and reset. So we, we stop, we pull over on this lookout point and I tell my, my lady, okay, we're going to get out of the car and we've, we're going to cross over to a ravine like area. And we're going to see if we can pitch the tent there, but the wind is so strong and it's whipping at us so quickly that we cannot walk against it because the road on the ice won't let us get any grip and so the wind just pushes us on the ice so after being based literally on my knees trying to crawl across and I look like a a fool and it's just absolutely ridiculous I turned to my wife and like let's grab our crampons so in the truck we had some crampons we whipped those on our shoes and that's how we cross the road pitch the tent uh that night we had uh spectacular northern lights I sent a message. I didn't have any phone signal there at the time. So sent a message to uh, the rental company saying, I need you to get me some chains. And that's exactly what they did. They sent uh, three days later when the roads were passable, they they sent me some. They A guy brought me some chains to put on the van uh, that we had. So that's how intense the wind can get. And sure, we were there in January when it's really kicked up a notch a bit. But, uh, but it's definitely something that, uh, that, I'll, that I'll never, never forget. And, and really, when people tell you the wind is ferocious uh, and unreal in Iceland, they're, they're not kidding. I think that day, it must have been about 135 kilometer an hour by the time that we pulled over. It was 95 when we had seen the sign and, and most definitely had kicked up a fair bit uh, afterwards. Even on this last trip, I saw a few cars uh, thrown off the side of the road. Uh, due to the wind. So, so it's definitely something that you've got to keep in mind if you've decided to do a self-driving tour there. Um, I'll da- da- also add in there that I'm guiding trips to, to Iceland as well. And our next one is April 16 uh, to the 23rd. So if you're keen or have any interest in that, do let me know. Um, but, uh, but it's a country that even with all this harrowing weather um, shows you uh, a landscape that's just so pure and raw um, that it leaves you in awe. And uh, whether it be uh, spectacular waterfalls, uh, glacial lagoons, uh, whale watching, um, snorkeling the tectonic divide, which is some of, known to be some of the clearest water in the world. Um, there's just so many different things to do. And, and you'll be quite impressed that they're, they're quite, quite uh, good at cooking because um well i don't know the because but i perhaps because there's not much else to do <laughs> yeah yeah they're not going to like me these Icelanders. um but but they're really good at it and in particular lamb because uh they have got lots and lots of of sheep on the island and uh and the reason is that basically it's the only thing that can be farmed um farmed as in i guess cult <laughs> would be the right word um but definitely uh, a country that uh, that leaves you in awe. So, so what are the spots to hit up if you're you're heading over to Tyson? So a lot of people uh, tell me, oh, I want to see the Northern Lights. And sure, in this last trip that I was there, six weeks, I saw them on about eight different nights. But because it's an island in the middle of the Atlantic, it's covered in clouds, in my opinion, 90% of the time, you cannot see the sky. It is just the nature of being a rock in the middle of the ocean That being said if you do get clear skies then you'll find yourself looking up at some spectacular dancing prancing um aurora borealis and now for those that don't know what the aurora borealis is it's uh, basically whenever the, sol- the sun um, has explosions on it, on the surface of the sun, which it has all the time, and which is frequently sending out these solar winds, when those charged particles hit our atmosphere, um, they interact with each other. And in this interaction, uh, it creates the colors we see in the sky. Now, not a lot of people know that that uh, strong enough solar winds or aurora or borealis are actually terrible for our satellites and, and, and uh, gadgets Um, that that we use, uh, but they do need to to reach a much higher level to really wipe out uh, our satellites as we know they can. And my favorite northern lights are definitely the pink ones. Um, And how can you find pink ones versus green ones? Well, that just comes down to the angle at which the solar winds are hitting our atmosphere. And if they're uh, interacting with particles at different levels uh, of height, then those different particles create different colors. Uh, but the most common one that you'll see is uh, is definitely green uh, northern lights. Um, tourism, you know, I've been to what was it, 45 countries or so, um, and this is one that I go back to time and time again. And uh, one of the particular reasons is obviously this whole spectacular dramatic land- landscape. And as a photographer and videographer, um, it's, it's, it's the perfect place for, for me to shoot. Um, but to give you a glimpse, you know, in 2019, this small country of 360,000 uh, people saw 2 million visitors. Um, and obviously during the pandemic, it got cut to 500,000 in, in 2020. So all this to say that, that right now where, where it's difficult to find places in the world that are safe to travel to with COVID-19 and that you'll be able to get back to your country and that, that you're not concerned about over there and they've got healthy food and, and hand sanitizing everywhere and all that, it, it's definitely one of the prime spots that I would recommend uh, to go to right now. Um, you know, you could do it in many different ways. You could do the self-driving, which is basically you rent a car and then you go to different hotels um, on an itinerary. Um, or you could do the camper van where you're just traveling around the country. A lot of people like to do the ring road. And the ring road is a road that, that goes all around the entire country. And a lot of people ask me, you know, I've got five or six days to to be there. Do you think I should do the ring road? And I've done it before. And sure, the north has some really neat uh, destinations and spots to to hit up, but the south and the southeast is most definitely where the most is happening. You've got your your glaciers, you've got your glacial lagoons, you've got uh, spots to watch the Northern Lights, you've got uh, active volcanoes. I cannot say the name, can I? Um, Geldingadalur volcano, which is the one that we've been seeing erupt while I was there recently on this trip. Excuse me. While I was there recently on this trip, it uh, it did not spew any new lava, but I did go up close to the hardened lava, and and it's it's something to see when land is being formed. You know, it's it's something quite quite uh, quite quite impressive. Um, let's see now. So I I think that it's important to to use this app um, to to really interact with you guys. So this is going to be the first time that I'm going to open up the lines. Um, Two uh to you guys and uh well I tried yesterday, but to no avail because I had only one input and the microphone was there versus having an input that gives me the microphone and the earphones. Um so right now I'm I've got the microphones and the earphones. I'm gonna go over here. I'm going to see if I can open up the lines here to any questions that you guys might have. Oh I've got a color there. A very Nice lady. Let's see now. Um, welcome, Shireen. Um, welcome to the Shore show. Um, Microphone. Hello, oh, hello, hello. Hey. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I I, I enjoy listening <laughs> to your stories, but I wanted to. I, you know, we both know. I hope how... you do. you're my wife. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. It's me. It's Shireen, and I'm here with Ariella, She says hi. But we would like you to share. You know, Iceland has pretty crazy weather. It can rain and snow and be sunny all in five minutes. So, um, what do you? How do you recommend we should dress? And what are? What is the main? All the items we need to be comfortable, warm, and be outside all day. Ah, well. Very good question, and uh, I will go on that. Well, thanks for calling in, love, and uh, let me answer I that. I hang up now? Or? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think you can hang up, and then I'll I'll continue on that. Cool. All right. Uh, okay, so there we go. Well, thank you, love. I call her love, so. Um, and, and it's definitely a great question, simply because the weather there is, ah, for lack of a better word, absolutely terrible. Um, you You get anywhere from 50 kilometer hour winds on a normal day up to like 135 kilometer an hour winds and what the wind does there is it wicks off all the heat from your body um, so that your body doesn't really have an opportunity to heat itself up so i'm an avid avid believer in wearing merino wool base layers and icelanders are too because uh, the only animal that can really live on their, well, one of the only animals that can live on their, their rock nation uh, is the sheep and wool. So uh, so my recommendation is bring uh, top base layer, uh, merino wool, bottom base layer, merino wool, underwear, merino wool, socks, merino wool, um, and then that's your bottom layer. Okay. Iceland's also a very wet country. The wind, uh, when combined with the rain, is one of the few places in the world that you will be hit by the the rain horizontally, vertically, from every direction. Um, It's almost like the wind and rain dance together to soak you as quickly as possible. So one of the neat properties about merino wool is that when wet, it keeps you warm. And that's really important in a country like this one. So I started with the base layers. Uh, when it comes to the boots, if you're going to be planning on wading into rivers, uh, so that you're, if you're a photographer, for example, and you want to take beautiful shots of this landscape and the lakes and whatnot, definitely bring uh, what some people call duck boots or wellies. Could you grab my wellies, please? And, uh, and 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 that type of boot because that allows you to to cross a lot of these little rivers to to check if the car can cross the river because it's always good to to wade into the river and see how deep it is before you try and cross with the car. There are lots of places like this, and particularly in the interior when you, where you hit this type of scenario. Then, uh, then for your mid layers, I'll usually go uh, with a down uh, mid layer uh, as well as some Merino um, glo- um, thin, thin gloves. Um, and then on top of that, you'll want a very hard shell that has a very high rating when it comes to when will the jacket leak? So uh, the harder shells will keep more water out than the thinner shells because after a certain quantity of water is hitting a thinner shell uh, for too frequently or too long, then it's no longer a waterproof jacket. So a really great shell. And finally, um, a really great down jacket. Like I kid you not that you, you can go on my Instagram and you can see, that the majority of my pictures, I am wearing uh, a Himalayan-rated <laughs> uh, mountaineering jacket because the wind is so strong and so constant that um, that it's really the only thing that keeps me warm when I'm trudging around uh, taking pictures and, and, and videos. So nice, big, big jacket. Um, the toque that I always wear, actually, if you go in any of my Instagram or Facebook photos and videos uh, is actually an Icelandic brand. It's called Varma, V-A-R-M-A, and I've been wearing their toques for t- going on ten years now. Um, because they're made of uh, Icelandic wool, and when they get soaked, they're still warm. And and I, I they're expensive. I <laughs> think like I'm not sponsored by them. They're expensive. They're like sixty bucks a toque, um, but they're worth every penny on on this last trip. um, My mom even was wearing one. Oh, I've got a collar. Let me take uh, the next caller here, Uh, Charlie. Let's see here. Hello, hello. Hi, Roberto. Hi, Charlie, how are you? I'm good. I've enjoyed enjoyed, uh, you sharing your experience in Iceland. Oh, thank you, appreciate that. Um, I'm curious what place Iceland, uh, what place you've, you've adventured in before, um, Iceland is most similar to? Hmm. Good question. Um, all right. It's such a unique, uh, destination that I guess the most, uh, the closest would be something like Baffin Island perhaps, or Torngat Mountains, which is Northern Northern Labrador. Um, and, and I think on the coast of, of Newfoundland as well in Labrador and Canada. Uh, would be the most uh, similar when it comes to ferocious wind and waves and cold water. But I guess also going down to Tierra del Fuego, which is in Argentina, uh, near Ushuaia, there's a lot of areas there that I found uh, very similar. But because they have almost no trees in Iceland, it's even the most barren of landscapes in other countries and destinations that I've been to, barely compare because they at least have some trees. In Iceland, they say, um, if you're lost in a forest, stand up because the trees are so tiny and they can't get a root system going down <laughs> enough. Um, so uh, I, I guess I would say the closest would be Baffin Island, Torngat Mountains that gave me the, the most similar feeling um, and, and a, a bit of Ushuaia uh, as well. Although, you know, when I went to Antarctica, um, the, the feeling that you get from the glaciers there it's all quite similar to to Iceland as well. And did you have much interaction with uh, with native Icelanders or, or uh, any locals? Oh yes, yes, most definitely. Um, so over the years that we've been going there, we've we've made lots of friends. We've been sponsored by a lot of different companies, whether it be campervan van uh, rentals or activity rentals, and and uh, we often we've we've made a lot of friends there. Uh, and they have a very peculiar humor. So in Iceland, uh, they they don't have pleas in their language because it's such a, a country where you get to the point, the weather is crappy, you've got things to do, you've got the sheep to bring in, whatever it may be. And so they're very direct and to the point and very literal in everything that they say. Um, once you get to know them culturally, I think it's, it's uh, you 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 start to really like them but at the very beginning you're like man they're really cold and and they don't really smile very much uh there's a shirt that uh that you can get there and and the reason it's it's funny is because it's quite true and and it's uh when an icelander is happy and it's like a viking face serious and when a Vic, uh, icelander is sad and viking K face serious and when when one is overjoyed and it's just <laughs> the same same face but i find that once you break into the culture a bit and start to get to know them, uh, you really realize their sense of humor. On this last trip, I was picking up a friend at the airport, and I was definitely parked where I wasn't supposed to be. Um, and uh, a taxi driver comes up and says, "Hey, you, uh, get out! Of here. You're in the wrong spot. Get out of here!" Uh, no, wait, wait! I'm going to to send you a ticket, and I'm telling the police and this and that. Like I'm, you know, the <laughs> apologetic apologetic Canadian that's like, "Oh, so sorry, so sorry, so sorry," <laughs> and he's Oh, I was just kidding Yeah. <laughs> okay. so they, they have good like, sense of humor they do, they really do, um, but they, they are hearty people um, because of the weather I, I, I like to say even you 'll even see the when they 're driving, a lot of them are wearing um, the safety uh, shirts, you know the yellow ones with the necks that you see people working on roads and, and stuff because when they 're just driving because they know that it 's so possible to have a car accident, that it's better to be prepared than, than not to be. And uh, their service for rescuing people in the country is a volunteer service that uh, basically local Icelanders go out and rescue people from the ditch and from the car that rolled over or the tourists that got stuck in the highlands because he, and he couldn't get out. Um, but with tourism, they've been just overwhelmed because tourists are not expectant or prepared for the type of weather that they get. I hope I answered that <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you did that was that was uh provides good good inf- intel on uh on the locals so that's always something something that yeah. i I find interesting is just how, what are the people like that that live in the, in those places so I appreciate that yeah and they're very creative I have to say they are you know when they, the music they come up with the books when you 're reading them you you really see that, I think, a landscape that's so barren has made a culture of expanding your mind. If that works. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, thank you. I'm going to drop out of the caller queue here. Yeah, cheers. Cheers, Charlie. Thanks. You too. Have a good one. Oh, hello, Heather. Hello, Sean, Paulina, Howard, Wangsu. I'm really enjoying this. I I want to tell the story of... um, of one of the last adventures that we did on this six weeks there. I went with my buddy Mariano and, um, well, parenthesis, parenthesis. He's like, we've got to find some kayaks and we're gonna go kayak on the glacier lagoon. And I'm like, ah, you know, realistically to find a window where the weather isn't horrific, to be out on the water is super dangerous if you're not well-prepared we're very well prepared when it comes to, uh, water athletes. Uh, I've got dry suits and I've got uh, life jackets and most importantly of all the know-how of when to pull the plug, when to try and head to shore, et-, et cetera. This is, this is what I do. I'm an expeditioner, but my friend said, you know, let's do this. And I was like, you know what, the, the probability that we're going to hit a window that's nice enough to go paddling on Yokul Salon Lagoon is unlikely, but I said why not. We went to this uh shop and uh to get some gear and uh and the shop owner actually ended up lending us the kayaks uh to do the expedition. And when we went to pick up the kayaks at his house, um we were just finishing up tying everything and he's just like in a really funny way he's like this is where my responsibility ends. <laughs> All this to say is that you he he was implying from here on in, whatever danger you get yourself into with those boats is your problem because it is very frequent in Iceland that uh, that people get in big trouble due to the weather. And if you're looking for it in a way, um, with our dry suits, I could have about five minutes, 15 minutes in the... If I'm near to shore, I could have... Sure, I could dance around and prance around swimming in the water for 10, 15 minutes. Hands are out of the water and, and there's no panic. You know, shore's right there. You get chilled. You just uh, swim over. But we're paddling hundreds of meters um, from shore. So, so we would have in that scenario, your hands start to gnarl. Um, they get way too cold. So, so it could be quite, quite dangerous. Anyways, we said, let's do it. So we, we got to Salwan Lagoon. We grabbed our boats, we filled the dry bags with our equipment, tents, sleeping bags, all that jazz. And off we headed in the middle of the night. Now an Icelander would be like, that's just stupid. <laughs> but I, for one, I am habituated to paddle at night. I've been paddling for the last 15 years, sea kayaking in the ocean, in reservoirs, in lakes at night. But there is an added variable here where there are icebergs dancing around uh this lagoon and flipping and calving so so darkness well yes sketchy yes (laughs) but did we do it anyways yes and the conditions were that we were able to do so because the water was like glass. very rare anyways we make it to this tiny rock island and it's just a few hundred just a few couple hundred meters max from the face of uh the glacier and it's only when we had set up the tent that we realized that some of the glaciers, some of the icebergs that were calving off the glacier were so big that they could basically go right over the little island that we put our outcrop on and uh, basically crush us. <laughs> so so this was on our mind when we decided to pitch the tent at the very highest point, which is really not that high, of this mound island in the in front of of the glacier. Of course, the conditions quickly changed and it went from zero um, kilometer an hour winds to I'd say about 65 kilometer per hour winds. And with a fabric tent, (laughs) the the poles were bent to my face. So my buddy Mariano's on the right side where the wind was hitting and the tent was bent so much over that it basically covered his entire body until the wall just comes straight to my face. And here I am being, you know, I'm a guy that knows. Okay, if if the tent tears, we're going to be in a pretty annoying and harrowing situation where we won't have any shelter. So we've got to be ready to jump into our dry suits, have our boots on, have everything ready, so that we're not uh, getting hypothermic just by the wind licking off any heat from our bodies. Um, And so, in my sleeping bag, I'm putting on my long johns, and I'm pulling on my shirts, and I'm putting on my gloves. (laughs) And Mariano next to me, he's like i'm like seriously dude here we are in this situation with wild winds and you're snoring (laughs) but that's his character super chill guy um and the winds i basically just sat there or lay there in my sleeping bag just waiting for dawn to appear and at night everything seems so much worse and i was just waiting for the tent poles to snap so that we could start the whole process of Making sure that the tent doesn 't rip entirely and grabbing our gear and putting it into dry bags and all of that, and meanwhile, my buddy 's just like sleeping as happy as could be um, and in the morning the you know the, the winds uh, started to die down. We had seen one of the neat things with Iceland right now is that they 've got phone signal everywhere so uh, so so it started to to die down and uh, on through through my phone, I was able to tell that by by noon the wind should be calming down and it actually, it did. It went straight down to zero. And we had one of the most spectacular paddling experiences that uh, that I've ever had because we were able to, in the middle of a bright bluebird day, paddle around these wondrous icebergs that are calving and moving and, and rolling over. Um, and uh, yeah, it's something definitely I'll never forget. And even on such a bluebird day, Halfway back, my feet were absolutely frozen in my dry suit. And that's one of the things that you have to be conscious of uh, as an expeditioner that to know when to call it quits. And my buddy was like, oh, no, let's go shoot a little bit more and I'll get to go around that iceberg and this. And I said, you know what? I'm not feeling it right now. My feet are super, super cold. So let's head to shore, uh, start a fire and uh, and get all warmed up. And that's exactly what we did. We, uh, we made it all the way back. And by the time we got back, there was this iceberg that we were even able to paddle through the iceberg. It was probably one of the most unique paddling experiences I've had, you know, to, to literally see kayak through an iceberg, reach the beach. And wood in Iceland is scarce. There is basically none. So I had bought some wood at the gas station. And those little bags of wood that you buy in any gas station in the world. Are sixty dollars <laughs> so every log is well worth it, but uh, this fire, even as we were burning money per se, um, was definitely one of the nicest uh, mini bonfires uh, that that i've ever had and uh, and an experience that that i 'll never forget so that 's what I live for that's, it's doing things that push my boundaries um, and make me feel alive, and I think that's one of the important things for people. That, uh, that are thinking about going to Iceland is that uh, push your boundaries a little bit, you know. Go, go see, a lot of people go to, uh, well, pretty much everyone will go to Seljalandfoss, which is this beautiful waterfall that you can walk around the back. But Roberto's tip is, um, if you go to that waterfall, yes, it's spectacular. It's where all the tourists go and it's well worth it. There's no question about it, you know. Some people call it a tourist trap, but it's not a trap because it is spectacular. But then you take that same gravel road you go down another 15, 20 minutes along the gravel road, and there's a tiny little sign that says Natusajil, N-A-T-H-U-S-A-G-I-L. And, and it's this, you, you, you see just now there's a little parking lot. There used to be nothing there. And you walk through this mini ravine um, where you have to grab these chains along the wall not to get your feet wet type of place where the duck boots are absolutely fantastic. And, and you make your way uh, down to the end of this little, little ravine and there is uh, a waterfall. And, and just, I think the experience of, of going along that and getting to this waterfall is the type of thing that perhaps if you're not an adventurous traveler, do it because it's not that bad. In that case, the worst case scenario, if you don't have the right shoes is that you'll get your feet wet. But uh, getting your feet wet for an experience of a lifetime I think is is a, is a perfect uh, trade-off. So definitely lots to do in Iceland. I highly recommend that this is the time to go right now, uh, particularly because of COVID and because how it's such a safe country from COVID um, due to all the checks of people coming in and out. Um, and uh, and it's a place that, that will leave you wanting to come back for more. And I think I'll add one more thing uh, before ending the show. And that is that I stayed at the most unique and, spe- and jaw-dropping and interesting hotel that I've ever stayed at there. And uh, I was actually traveling with my mom and I thought, you know, sure, my mom is in awe with the waterfalls and she could sit there and, and just see the poetic beauty of, of each of these places that I took her to from uh, Jokulsarlon Lagoon to uh, Foss to Skogafoss um, to, to all of these different spots. But taking her to the Blue Lagoon Retreat Hotel is something that I decided would be, you know, a real treat for both of us, uh, particularly because due to the pandemic, we hadn't been able to spend much time together for the last two years. To have my mom alone with me at the best hotel in Iceland, uh, I thought, you know, this will do it justice. It is $1,700 for one night. So be ready to open your wallet very wide, but it's a hotel that literally the, your room looks out to the Blue Lagoon. Um, you can swim in the Blue Lagoon and it has its own private section of the Blue Lagoon. Whereas um, the regular Blue Lagoon, you have all the public, the public people that go there. But this one, you've got a spa and you've got all these uh, different silica that you can put on your skin. And what makes the Blue Lagoon so unique and why it's become uh, world renowned is that the silica that's in the water is supposed to be extremely good for your skin. And this water is actually the wastewater from their geothermal energy that they create. Um, And then they found out that it has all all these properties. But this hotel is special. And, and uh, like I told my dad and like I've told many friends, if you go to Iceland just to stay there one night, it's worth it. But you won't because there are waterfalls to see, glaciers to hike, uh, glacial caves to explore, volcanoes to feel the heat emanating from, deep caves to go down, northern lights to dance across the sky. And a people that, even though they may seem a tad serious, are some of the best jokers around. Thanks a lot, everyone, for listening to my reasons on why you should go to Iceland now. Expeditioner out. See you next time.